Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the March mailbag edition of the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com. Joined as ever by two of our co-hosts uh, in the room this time. Uh, not physically in the room, obviously virtually, but uh, first of all, we've got Alex Ibaceta with us. Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I just, I'm thankful I don't have to do that intro um, of the title of our podcast. So it's good. <laughs> I've, I've got it now. I've got it to a fine lick now. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, and also joining us, we have Pippa Monique. Pippa, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. The weather's um, looking decent today. So yeah, I'm feeling a lot... The weather always projects my mood. So yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, at, at Meadow Park on Sunday, it was um, for the... Uh, sorry, that's for the Birmingham game. It was absolutely freezing. There was just like a freezing cold wind blowing into that press box and... It's one of the coldest I've ever been at a game. It was just ridiculous. And I'm so, so ready for winter to fuck off. Um, and it really looks like it is. Um, so that's that's absolutely fantastic. But less about the weather <laughs> in the UK anyway. Um, as usual, we've got loads and loads of questions um, to, to get through in the mailbag edition. Now, um, one of the reasons I really like doing these mailbag uh, podcasts is because it gives you a real sense of how the fan base is thinking and feeling. And the last couple of episodes, I think completely understandably, a lot of the questions have been a bit, oh, why aren't we playing as well as we were? And why isn't this player playing well? And what's going on? And actually, this time round, a lot of the questions are a lot more like, oh, things are going much better, aren't they? And how do we get all of these brilliant players into the team and, and things like that? So it's like it's a really nice way of picking up the mood of the fan base, I think, which um, I think, you know, obviously, I, I think anyway, we'll get into this, that performances have really improved in the last kind of five to six weeks. But um, obviously, March is a huge month for Arsenal and we've got those those big Champions League games against Wolfsburg, North London Derby at the Emirates as well. So predictably, we have a lot of questions about Wolfsburg. We will do a podcast next week looking at that tie in depth with uh, German journalist uh, Yasmina Schweimer, who is a Wolfsburg expert. But for the first question, I'm uh, going to throw this one to Alex. Um, we've had two people ask a variation, variation on this question. So the first one is from Ross, uh, Ross SCH91. Uh, who asks, looking forward to the UWCL games against Wolfsburg, what do you think our chances of progressing are? And on a similar vein, uh, Domi Kadiwo uh, at Dan Domk, um, with a new centre-half pairing, Viv at 10 thriving, a packed bench, and Steph, Ford and Leah finally finding their form, how much has our chances in the UWCL quarters improved? And looking ahead and being positive... <laughs> Would you fanciest at least to make it tight against Barcelona if we got to the semis, Alex? That's the Wolfsburg Arsenal question in terms of a head-to-head challenge. I've thought about this, I think, since it was announced. And I think it's one of those where you can't really predict. Um, it's one of those where I think Arsenal and Wolfsburg are similar in the sense that they can easily shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and... You don't. I think right now they're both on a really good. Um, they're in really good form. The players are are coming back slowly. They're they're still top top. Um, but I think in the Champions League, obviously it's knockout round. I think it's going to be a very different game than what both of them are used to in the league. Um, so it's going to be interesting how they take their confidence that they've wrapped up in the league as of now into this and into 
a big event. I mean, essentially you're playing at the Emirates and you're playing at the Volkswagen Arena. You know, it's not just a little Champions League game at Bournemouth or at, at um, I'm not sure what Wolfsburg Stadium is, but it's a smaller ground, of course. Um, so it's just living up to the occasion. And it's actually, but playing good football at the same time without getting carried away with, with the actual um, production of things and the stadiums and, and what it is. But football-wise, I think Arsenal... And going back to to the place where the players have come in, you know, since the group stages ended, I mean, the group stages ended, what, about two, three months ago now? And a lot has happened since then. So if you look at Arsenal in the group stages, they're a completely new team now, essentially. You know, players have come in. Cena has come in. Viv is dropping to a 10. Leah Williamson has found her perfect centre-back uh, match, which we talked about it, this whole thing. I mean, that centre-back pairing is so, so important. It's important to have stability in the back, which then lets Manu or Lydia, you know, be a bit calmer and be a bit more confident in being able to lead from the back. And then that centre-back pairing also gives that six, you know, Leo Valti has looked really good these last few games. And because there's that stability in the back, she's then able to not really worry about that and just focus on playing that attacking play, which we know she struggled at the start of the season. So it's just the domino effect of having that centre-back pairing and having that centre-back pairing when you're coming up against the likes of Tabea Wasmuth just for an example, um, or even Jill Ward, who we know likes to drop into the midfield, likes to come up and she's very dynamic in, in terms of attack. And I think she's done quite well at Wolfsburg so far. Um, so just to have that solidity in the centre-back pairing, I think is key. Um, and then on top of that, you look at Stina in the nine and then Viv dropping in the 10. I think that dynamic is unique at the moment when you have a player like Viv, who is such a preliminary number nine, a permanent striker. Like there's not many strikers that can just do what Viv doesn't basically just do whatever she wants and do it really well. Um, so I think that's something that Arsenal have like going into it. But again, between Arsenal and Wolfsburg matching up, I think it's going to be what happens on the day, on the week, how the players are feeling. So it's a really tough one to call. Yeah, I think it's a real coin toss tie. And like you, I feel more confident, not to say I feel confident, I feel more confident than I did when it was drawn. In December, just to give people a bit of a picture as well of what's happening with Wolfsburg, their very similar title race to the one we have in England, actually, in the Frau Bundesliga. So I think Bayern are two points clear of Wolfsburg, but Wolfsburg have a game in hand and the two teams play each other at Wolfsburg in April. So the title is a bit like Chelsea, maybe, in the WSL. The title is just about in Wolfsburg's hands, but they've also got Alexandra Pop back, um, who's been out for the best part of a year. Um, I, I think in reality, she'll be a bit part player for the rest of the season, but what a bit part player to have. Um, we've got another question, a slightly different question about that Wolfsburg tie. But before I ask you that, Pippa, what, what are your kind of general feelings about Arsenal's chances in this tie? Well, I always want to be positive and I always want to back Arsenal, but it's going to be such a tough and immense tie. Because like you said, both teams are pretty equal. And like Alex said, there's been so much differences since the last time we played in the Champions League. So there's been improvements, but then we have to look at how Wolfsburg play in the UWCL because the other, the other English team they faced was Chelsea and they Chelsea are a top team that normally have a dominant display. Champions League hasn't always been, you know, their, their biting point. They got to a final, didn't succeed, but they still continue to play good football. But against Wolfsburg, they kept them more than quiet and scored more than a few goals against Chelsea. And, and Chelsea are a team that in the WSL, Arsenal are battling against. We saw them play each other recently and then it only ended up in a draw. It was a, a really tight battle. So if we compare that and what we're coming up against with Wolfsburg, it's going to be so tough. I'd, I'd love to say I'm confident, but I'm not. But I'm hoping that the recent performances that we've seen and the goals that have been scored, and like Alex said as well, with the centre-back pairing with Raphael and Leah Williamson, that we can just tighten up and try and try not to concede because Wolfsburg are pretty much always going to score, if I'm honest. If we're looking at their recent form and their recent results, they're, they're pretty much likely to get on the score sheet. So it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things, if you were looking for a favourite in this, Wolfsburg have obviously got more experience in this competition um, than Arsenal, um, albeit they, they were knocked out, I think, by Chelsea at the quarterfinal stage last year. But in a yeah. really odd game that I don't think they really deserve to lose, but they somehow managed to lose quite handily. Um, but you're right, they they gave Chelsea a, a bit of a thumping, really. Was it 4-0 um, or something like that? 4-0, yeah, yeah, in December. And I think it was a 3-3 at uh, Kings Meadow as well. So you're right, like 
the amount of goals they can score is is scary. Um, yeah. But I, I I think you're both right to point to that centre back partnership. I've you know loved what Rafaeli's brought to the team. Um, just that ability to cover space. I mean, if you've seen her in person, you can see she's built like a centre back. You know, she's <laughs> solid build, very strong, good in the air. Um, good passer as well. It just means that Arsenal can be a bit more aggressive and cover space. But the Very other question... Soon. Before yeah. I go on to the next question, can you can you say her name again? Because I think I said it wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, if, if you want to do it like properly in Portuguese, it's Rafaeli. In Portuguese, okay. if something begins with an R, you pronounce it like as an H. Wow. Um, but, I mean, I you know, it, it's a bit like uh, like Hector Bellerin, right? Very few yeah. of us say like he- Hector Bellerin. Yeah, it's true, true. Like, I think you can take a bit of license and say Raphael, but like the the exact pronunciation is Raffaele, um, Mm. which I feel like I have liberty to use as a speaker of the language. But there we go. Thanks for that. Um, but the question I'm, I'm, uh, we've got that I'm going to ask you, Pippa, about this Wolfsburg tie is slightly different from Adam Salter at Adam Salter 4. I've been monitoring the ticket sales for our Emirates double header. The Spurs tickets are flying off the shelves, but there's a reluctance towards the Wolfsburg game. Why are fans reluctant to watch Champions League football at the Emirates? Uh, isn't it what they wanted? Wow, it's great that um, the Tottenham tickets are flying off the shelf. I don't know how he's monitored them. I'd love to monitor them too. I've no idea how many tickets have been sold so far. But I guess um, with gathering a large crowd at the Emirates, we we, we know it's not... It's not naive to say that it's a, it's a different audience than we get at Meadow Park. So you're you're garnering new fans to come to the Emirates Stadium, and it's been um, an uphill. I think it's been successful for the last couple of seasons getting more fans to watch the Arsenal women game. Fans that will probably normally watch the Premier League, and of course, Premier League fans are used to having a North London derby, so that sells itself. So it's very natural for that to have more ticket sales. Whereas Arsenal v Wolfsburg, as much as it's a a blockbuster event in the women's game, it doesn't speak. Like, it doesn't sound like something, I guess, I'm just assuming here, it doesn't sound like something, I guess, Premier League fans would say, okay, Arsenal Wolfsburg, I'd love to go to that. So it's all about the publicity of it and just selling the event, really, because I'm guessing the fans that are not used to watching Arsenal women that will be wanting to go to the Emirates know nothing about the team that Arsenal are facing. So that's that's what I'm assuming. But at the end of the day, it's what fans have been asking for. They've been constantly saying, you know, on social media, when they see Arsenal have these big wins over the last few seasons, they always say, oh, they should play at the Emirates. Let them play at the Emirates. OK, they're finally playing now. So come and watch, regardless who it is. Come and watch the game. Yeah, I, I think you're right about the name Wolfsburg perhaps not resonating with people perhaps who, who watch the men's game and not realising that Wolfsburg, you know, in the women's game, that's like, you know, that that's like Paris Saint-Germain in the men's game or, you know, like a, a club of that pedigree. Like these are two-time Champions League winners and, and and a huge club in the women's game. And also I think the fact that it's midweek um, as well will will always have an impact. Whereas Spurs, it's a North London derby. It's during the men's international weekend break. Probably most fans will turn up expecting us to beat Spurs um, quite handily, which is always good fun. Obviously, they're, they're unfortunately a much better team at the moment. But um, I think you're right. I think there's just something about the name not quite resonating with people. But um, Alex, if I throw this one over to you, I thought this was a really interesting question. And it's from um, apologies um, for pronunciation of your name, which I will probably get very wrong. Um, Madav uh, Kejruel who is at Madav underscore AFC. What are your thoughts on the constant criticism Jonas is getting from fans? Is it a good thing? Because it implies that our bench has multiple players who could easily be starting um, as well. I, I don't know how much of this you've picked up, Alex, but I, I, th- I think, uh, and this isn't a criticism on my part, I, I think I've seen quite a lot of criticism um, for Jonas over this season. And I wonder if you had uh, feelings or thoughts on that. I mean, I think criticism is never going to be gone in in, uh, in any aspect of life, really, but especially in, in football. And I think in women's football, particularly, you know, you're. it's not shocking when a manager or someone, not even just a manager, just, you know, someone in the in the club, you know, whether it be staff or not, to not really give women's football the time of day that it's supposed to. So I think on that foundation and that basis I think criticism is a lot faster for fans to kind of jump onto that if that makes sense um but I think 
I think Jonas, I mean, you know, any football manager, no matter who you are, you're going to get criticism at one point in your career or the other. Um, I think for Jonas, you have to look at the bigger picture. I can see maybe why people criticize him and, you know, his team selections and whatever it may be and forcing players to play different positions. But so far it's worked. Um, you know, it's, you're, we're still top of the league. We're still competing for the title race. We're still in the champions league. So whether, yes, it hasn't been a smooth process, but we're still in all of this. Um, so it is, you know, it is fair to criticize, but I think overall the criticism should be a healthy criticism in opinionated things rather than a criticism to kind of make him look bad, if that makes sense. Um, Cause yeah, it's football. He's going to get things wrong. He, I think he's, he's pretty good at admitting when he's done something wrong. Obviously it's never going to happen, but at the end of the day, he's the one that's seeing these players behind the scenes, you know, um, even yesterday I went to call and he just interviews, you know, these players, uh, one player felt bad. Uh, they had injury, just wanted to go get treatment. That was it. And that's fine. You know, these things happen. It's human beings. So when a player doesn't start or a player is playing a different position, you know, it's not just a match day, like on the match day, it's like, Hey, this is what I decided. You know, it's a whole process throughout the week, throughout training. It's a conversation between players, managers, staff and everything. So, um, yeah, I think, especially Jonas is very different from Joe. So I think that's also kind of influenced everything, but I think overall, you know, I think everyone should give Jonas kind of a a little break um, and kind of see how the next month goes and then kind of go off from that because it hasn't happened yet, but this month is really stressful. You know, you, you have Wolfsburg, you have Tottenham, you still have all these fixtures to make up, um, you know, you're competing for the title. Chelsea are literally up our ass in the, in the league. So it's a stressful time. So just go through it and kind of enjoy it rather than trying to look for all the bad things, I think, overall. Yeah, I, I think um, I think you're right about perhaps Jonas not being as uh, as as fluffy a character as Joe. Um, you know, he's he's very like he's quite to the point when he speaks. Um, and, and I do think as well, there are elements of his touchline persona that maybe some fans haven't connected with. Some fans really have. Um, with how animated he gets. But, you know, there was like that incident with, um, who was it? It was one of the Man United players. I can't remember which one, Martha Thomas, where there was I think like, it was, yeah. Yeah, like a bit of a square up, which which rubbed people up the wrong way. I think the other thing is as well that um, the, 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 the state of the squad at the moment is that there are like 22 fit international players and you can only use 20 in the squad and you can only bring five on. And I do think, uh, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, because again, this isn't a criticism, just an observation, but there's more of like a stand culture with individual players in women's football. So when a player isn't playing, it's very much like, why are you not playing her? Like, why are you not playing Jordan Nobbs? Why are you not playing Tobin Heath? And like the fact is at the moment, Arsenal have got this squad where like brilliant players and not even like really good players are not even making the bench or not coming on. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so I do think that perhaps there's an element of that um, as well coming in, but I, I think that's well observed. I do, I do think there's been like um, a lot of criticism for Jonas, but Pippa, I'm going to come back to you on actually something else to do with the Emirates. Um, we've had uh, a question from Phil who is at Phil AWFC um, and in fact, I'm going to get everyone's views on this because I think we'll all be of a like mind. But with the news about the Emirates Stadium renovation, is there anything you'd like to see at the stadium recognising the women's team, either by featuring them in the wraps outside the stadium, for example, or by recognising uh, legends of the past or any other ideas that the panel have? What do you reckon on that, Pippa? Oh, my gosh. How have I never thought of this? I'm actually embarrassed. I've never thought of that. You know, I'm so used to seeing, you know, the, the old age images we have on the Emirates, Emirates circulating around and the statues of legends that, and obviously because we watched the men play that, I never thought about that. But now I think about it, there's other Premier League grounds that I've been to such as Brighton, um, Crystal Palace that have their, their, their women's players on the stadium. So yes, definitely. I think that should be incorporated. I've seen many a tweet saying Vivian Miedema needs her own statue. Maybe she won't, maybe she won't get a statue. I think, that's, I think that happens to, to ex-players, but she should have definitely, and, and the squad themselves should definitely have something. I mean, even when you go to, to King's Meadow, have you, have you seen the, the new indoors? They've got this like whole wall of yep. dedicated to the Chelsea. We, we definitely need something like that. So it's a must. Um, I don't know what they'll do. I, I don't know when the renovations are starting, but 
that better be in their plans. And if not, they better start revising them now. Yeah, yeah, there, there is stuff inside the stadium. So near where I sit in the East Upper, like there's a wall with like their honours on them and stuff. But I think Phil's right about, you know, we're talking about like the outside of the stadium and if there's like another Legends wrap. So at the moment there's, I think, 12, uh, maybe more like former men's players. And, and they're going to replace that because it, it looks a bit old and tired. But I'd love to sit like, if they did, say they did something like that again, I'd love to see like Kelly Smith on there. I think that would send such like a strong message. Um, but I, I think you hit on something really important there, Pippa, about I, I'd almost be more inclined to look at the quote unquote Arsenalization of Meadow Park. And I know it's difficult because it's not Arsenal's ground. But at the same time, when you go in there, there is pretty much nothing to tell you that I like there's the odd advertising hoarding on a match day. And they called the North Stand the North Bank because Arsenal helped pay for it. But I'd really love to see a bit more Arsenalisation around Meadow Park, either in the areas outside or like you said, at Kings Meadow, they've got that big wall. And again, I know Chelsea bought that ground, so they own it now. But I'd love to see a bit more of that. I don't know if you've got a view on that, Alex, either about the Emirates or Meadow Park or maybe an idea for something the club could do. No, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I kind of have to, not have to, but obviously I agree with you guys. Like, I'm not going to say no to that. Um, I think what's interesting about Arsenal is obviously the fact that we're still the only English club to win the Women's Champions League. We and don't we've talk touched- about that enough. <laughs> we don't, honestly. Um, but then we were talking about why Arsenal Wolfsburg in the Women's Champions League is like not really a big blockbuster thing. I think you know, showing the fact that we've won the Champions League. Um, that's not a lot of, especially in the women's game, like not a lot of clubs have achieved that. So I think, you know, maybe getting a statue of the trophy lifting, I don't know, something like that. Um, but mostly just to like introduce people to the women's side of the game. You know, everyone knows the Champions League, but I, no one knows the Women's Champions League. Um, and I find that actually really complicated when I talk about the Women's Champions League. I just say Champions League because then you get a reaction instantly and then you go into the fact that it's women's football. But I think we just we just have to like do those little things to kind of get people interested and in, whether it be, you know, like little statues or a photo or just, just something along those lines on the outside of the Emirates Stadium because, you know, essentially the Emirates Stadium is a kind of a tourist attraction in London. So say all these people come to visit and most of the time they probably won't even go inside. They'll just walk around the outside, take the photos. And at the moment, yeah, there's nothing that really ties into the women's team. So definitely. That's that's another really good observation as well, just about it being a promotion point. Um, and, you know, talking about uh, winning the Champions League, who scored the winner in that Champions League final? Alex Scott. Everyone knows who Alex Scott is, right? In fact, I think her fame has risen to such a level that maybe people don't even know she used to be a footballer because she's really like broken out into the mainstream as a TV presenter. Um, but that, like, I think there are a lot of people who wouldn't have any idea that she played for Arsenal and that, you know, uh, when she was 23, she scored this goal that won Arsenal the Champions League. Like, I'd and love to see... it was a great goal too. Yeah, like, it wasn't yeah. just like a little tap-in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like from 30 yards. I'd love to see like a... Because like round the outside of the Emirates, not just on the, the big wrap, but like... Um, you know, you walk around and you'll see like just like little bios of players, um, like the players that didn't make the legend rap, but who are still big players like Nigel Winterburn, David O'Leary. You just go up and you can read a bit about them. I'd love to see like Alex Scott on there and like a photo of her scoring that goal in Sweden and and Kelly Smith on there and Kim Little on there. And, and of course, Viv, like everyone knows who Viv is, right? Everyone can kind of interact with that. And obviously we've seen she does have a statue at the moment. <laughs> Um, in London uh, near Tower Bank and just just little touches like that I'd, I'd love to see I really really would um, I really think it, it should be like you say just for promotion if nothing else and I know it's difficult but like just having something at Meadow Park or having a little bit more at Meadow Park or just around Meadow Park or at Boreham Wood Station or something one of the things Chelsea did a couple of years ago at I think it was Surbiton Station they just put pictures of the women's players on the uh, the ticket barriers you know, just to say Chelsea women play here, like very, very powerful stuff like that. I think there's a long way to yeah, go. It was all around Kingston as well. Um, yeah. You would just walk through and you would just see, and it was updated um, almost weekly, not all the time, but it was match. It was like fixture specific posters that were just posted all around town. Yeah. Um, so that was like, you're just walking by and you're like, 
oh cool Chelsea and it just tells you like it's literally right around the corner so yeah exactly uh-huh. like you get off the train at Elstree and Boreham Wood you'd have no idea where to go um, you're so looking like, for directions to the stadium like where is it <laughs> yeah exactly like there's a very definite left and right turn and you have to go right but like you might wander off to the left like there's no there's nothing there to say that like you know for Boreham Wood or Arsenal to say that there's a football ground there um, and I think all of this is just there's, there's just so much to be done around this but I think we're going to move the questions on to the part of the podcast I'm going to call the Knobs cast because um, we've had a few um, Jordan Knobs, um, I should point out. Uh, we've had a few questions about Jordan Knobs. Now, the question I really wanted to, to kind of get everyone's views on because I know this kind of annoyed quite a lot of people on Sunday. Obviously, Jordan had her 250th Arsenal appearance and she was brought on in stoppage time just after Arsenal had scored a fourth goal, kind of a time-wasting sub. And a lot of people, I think, understandably, um, felt that that was quite disrespectful uh, to a player who's, who's been a bri- who has been and continues to be a brilliant player for Arsenal for the last 11 years. And obviously her contract's up at the end of the season and she's not getting as much playing time at the moment. So, you know, there's, there, there is actually a risk to, to like... Um, annoying this player, I guess, uh, for want of a better phrase. So, Pippa, what did what did you make of that? Did you think that that was a little bit out of order? Do you not really think it's that important? Um, what What was your take on it? No, I'm going to be one of those fans that people might say are just being extra over the top because I I really felt like it was I felt like it wasn't a nice thing to do for such a landmark occasion. I know she hasn't been getting a lot of game time, but the, the game's already under wraps. You can surely bring her on a bit earlier than that. Or if not, if this is not the game to bring her on, make sure the next game is. You know, she's not getting the game time. Um, we're not seeing enough of her. And she's had she's had a tough time with the injury she's had. She's been at the club so many years, over a decade. Um, she's gone through all these injuries and she's still here. And she's still a top player. Um, and it's just, I feel like she's not being done well a service um, under the new manager. So it is quite a shame, really. Yeah, yeah. I, and Jonas, he kind of intimated afterwards that he like he just kind of forgot about it. And I don't know if that was... Because um, he brought that up without really prompting. And I don't know if that was his way of saying, actually, if I'd remembered, I might not have done that. Um, I, that I don't kind, know. That, that kind of doesn't make it any better. Don't say you no, forgot about no. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. And, and like, you know, that's, that's me putting words into his mouth. I don't, I don't really know that. He wasn't like absolutely clear on that. But, but Alex, I wondered like, do, do you care about that? Do you think it's not important? Or do you think that that was, um, or are you with Pippa and thought that that was disrespect, outright disrespectful? It's, it's an interesting one. Because um, I get, obviously, I, like from an outside perspective, you know, you're, we're fans just looking on and, you know, the 250th appearance is a big occasion. So you would like it to be celebrated. I think just naturally, you know, especially if you're a fan of Arsenal, you're probably a good fan of Jordan Nobbs. Um, so you just want to see her kind of celebrated, but then you look at the, uh, like the other perspective of it. Um, and a, like, I do wonder whether, what the conversation was. I wonder if, you know, Jordan and, and Jonas had a conversation about how Jordan wanted this occasion to go down. Um, and then if Jonas forgot, it is a bit rude kind of but at the same time like I'm playing football and I have no idea what the score is half the time um so I understand like getting carried away in the moment and kind of just forgetting about everything else um and just kind of going through you know if if Jordan was supposed to come on um at that time just to to kill time you know it's I, I don't know if Jonas is really thinking like oh shit you know it's 250 appearance he's probably just like get on get on get on because obviously obviously Birmingham we're, we're kind of encouraging themselves to at a comeback so it was kind of potentially just like not on his mind so maybe it is true um so it's a hard one and I don't think there's a right answer unless you really know um what went down between not what went down that sounds like like a fight happened or something but kind of what the conversation was with Jordan about how she wanted this occasion to go down because obviously I think she's not fully fit either so I don't know if she would have had this 250th appearance anytime soon as a starter. Um, so maybe she just wanted to kind of get that out of the way and, and continue. But yeah, I don't really know. Um, obviously, yeah, there's two sides. It is, you know, it is a bit unfortunate that Jordan couldn't really be celebrated as much um, 
in like at least the full half, for example, it, it is a bit of a shame on that. But then the other side of it is like, don't really jump to conclusions, I guess. Um, but yeah. It's more of a shame because we've seen in previous seasons, you know, like when certain players reach a landmark, like 50 appearances or 50 mm-hmm. goals, sorry. There's always a shirt pre-match and, you know, a bottle of Prosecco, whatever the bottle is. And there's some type of social media post. So these things are normally pre-planned. Like if you know you're going to start, if you know you're going to play, especially if you're on the bench. So that's what that's the only reason why I'm a bit annoyed about it because you're on the bench. So there's a possibility you could have a 250 appearance, appearance. So it should have been something that was discussed. But I guess there are more, more important things in, in the grand scheme of things for the whole team to focus on, you know, like securing the three points, et cetera. Yeah, and like, there was like a graphic prepared and stuff like that. So like, you know, the Arsenal media team um, certainly knew about it and, and everything like that. I think, um, I, I think there's two sides to this as well. I, I think the most important thing is what does the player feel about it? Um, kind of speculate. She might not care. Um, quite frankly, she might not have even really realized. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I must admit when it first, when she, when like her number went up in like the 92nd minute, I was a bit like, like I was, I wasn't furious about it, but I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit, yeah. I, I, I'd much prefer like, even if she got like fifteen minutes against Brighton or something like that, like that, that would feel a bit more fitting at least, um, or at least it just wouldn't feel like an issue. Whereas this feels a little bit like an issue, and I, and I wonder if like, you know, and and if it is important to her, then like, as much as the manager can't become obsessed with like landstones and uh, landmarks and milestones and stuff like that it's still your responsibility to know what's important to your players. And, and, and it's probably certainly with the supporters at the very least created like a little bit of an issue. Um, and I do wonder if Jonas could have the time back, whether he'd either just bring someone else on and save it for next week or, or not bother. Um, and, and, you know, personally, I'd never tell anyone how to feel about something like that. Like I picked up on online, like on Twitter, like a lot of people very, very kind of uh, upset about it. And, you know, I wouldn't tell those people not to be. Um, and I'm glad like a player like Jordan means that much um, to our fans because she absolutely should uh, for what, what she's done and what she continues to do and her loyalty and everything like that. So even if I don't feel quite as strongly as some people, I'm kind of glad that people feel strongly because I'm glad um, that she's so valued um, because I feel sometimes she's underrated and undervalued. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of glad that people feel strongly about it. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Staying with the Jordan theme, um, and I'll come to you first, Alex. Um, question from uh, Brujo, uh, maybe Brujo, I don't know, but at Brub, Brub SFA. Um, I thought Jordan wasn't able to bring her best in the game she started so far and it's been very different from her performances last season. Do you think that's down to a lack of overall game time and her recovery from injury? And do you think um, we could be seeing the end of her time at Arsenal? Is it? A, I don't want to answer the last question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's... I mean, Jordan has had you know, a, a tough couple of years with injuries and kind of get into match fitness. Obviously, she's missed out on... 
England squads because she hasn't had enough form. Um, you know, it's been a constant struggle for her. So I think it's natural for her to kind of not really be in the rhythm of things at the moment. Um, Cause you know, you look outside of Jordan and you look at, we've, we talked about the start of the episode, you know, all the changes that have happened in the last couple of months have been kind of impactful on every position on the pitch. Um, you know, we're, if, we're, if we're talking strictly on the football aspect, you know, Viv moving into 10 disrupts the entire rhythm of the midfield because um, that takes away a position in the midfield. And now that number 10 role has a completely different role than say what Jordan Nobbs would have in that midfield. Um, and then it's just a domino effect forward. You know, Stina is not Viv anymore. You know, Stina is going to be a static number nine waiting to to play off of it, to play off the wingers and be that poachers kind of striker in the box. Um, so if Jordan's not really, you know, playing at her best, I mean, if she plays bad, it's still pretty good. Um, but I think it's it's going to be natural for her to find her role in Arsenal again. Um, obviously, she's been injured this season. Um, and hasn't had that consistency in terms of form. And I think when she came back was when Arsenal wasn't doing too great. Um, so it, it's just, it's been unlucky in terms of kind of when she's come back and when she's gotten into form. Um, yeah, again, I don't think she's fully fit again at the moment. Um, so that's just going to take another toll in terms of consistency and getting back into the team. Um, so I think it's, it, you know, it's natural. I don't think it's anyone's fault. I think it's just down to, everything that's happening within the club in terms of players and, and football and kind of obviously Jonas is getting to a stage where he's learning more and more. Now he's finally being able to cement a few more things, uh, especially with the center back pairing with Viv and, and Stina, all these things, you know, once you have those key aspects cemented, you can kind of move on to the, the finer details of everything. Um, so I think, yeah, with, with Jordan, I think it's just a matter of her being able to get consistent playing time again and adapting to a whole new um, kind of system that has been there for the last couple of months. So, I mean, it's nothing, you know, it's again, it's, it's a criticism, but it's not, I don't think it's anything to be worried about necessarily. I think, you know, Jordan is, as you said, Tim, you know, she's one of the, she's a great player and she's an amazing Arsenal player on top of that. So like, I would say not to get worried that I, I think it's just her finding her ground again in a new role and essentially, I mean, it's not a new team, but you it's the roles within the team have, have slightly changed already. And yeah, the midfield has obviously been one of the biggest ones that have been impacted from both the center back pairings and Viv dropping into that. So I think it's just natural for her to not really be at the same level as when she was comfortable under Joe, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think there's a few things going on, like until Viv started playing in the number 10, I don't think anyone nailed it. Um, we haven't seen the best of Mane Obuchi in the role either. I think in on the occasions where Kim Little has played at the 10, she's been nowhere near as good as she is in the eight or the six. So there's something about that number 10 role overall in Jonas's system that I think players have struggled to nail until Viv. Um, and obviously if Viv stays and she stays on the basis that she wants to play that role, um, that probably will spell a bit of trouble for Jordan um, in terms of her playing time. But obviously we don't know that yet. She might not. So I, I do think there are a few things going on there and it's not just really down to Jordan because I think when two or three other really good players haven't nailed that role either, that there's probably something else going on. Pippa, what do you reckon about? Because so Jordan Nobbs' contract is up at the end of the season. Do you think she'll sign or do you think that um, maybe her Arsenal career is, is slipping away and that she'll move on? Why are you asking me this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer this because if I'm just looking at it for what it is, um, and I, like I think it will be another Daniel Carter situation. You know, the the injuries, the the lack of playing time, and now it's slowly starting to look. There's not even a, a space for her to get back into the team, and that's exactly what happened to to Danielle as well. And 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 as, as heartbreaking as it is to see such loyal players that have given us so many good times. Um, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't know how it. I, I don't. I can't see a contract extension at the end of the season for Jordan. I can't see it happening. I don't know why you asked me this. Why I was being so. I was being so positive today. It felt like it anyway. I'm sorry. We we <laughs> had to we had to ask the tough question, but yeah. I mean, I I I love the player as well. Like I I got my daughter like the away shirt at the beginning of the season. It's Jordan's name. Um, I got on it uh, on her behalf. Obviously, she has another one with Rafaeli on it now. <laughs> um, but. 
you know, like one of just one of my favorite ever players. And um, I I really hope she stays. I think I would understand if she didn't. Um, But I really, really hope that they're like, because when I look at it on paper, what Jonas wants, that kind of pressing, I just think, yeah, that's Jordan. Jordan can do that. Um, so I, I haven't quite figured out what it is about that number 10 role that everyone except Viv has really struggled to play. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's, I don't even know if Viv is actually really playing the way Jonas wants or whether she's just so good that she can just play anywhere and pick up anything um, and be, and just excel. I, I'm sure there's plenty of that going on as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, I, I'd complete, I'd, I'd be really like heartbroken to see Jordan go like, and I think the Dan Carter comparison one I hadn't thought of like very, very apt. And obviously the two of them are great friends as well. And we know how heartbroken Dan was um, to have to move on as well, that she didn't really want to. Um, And that, that, that would be very, very tough, I think. Um, But we'll see how that, how that kind of pans out on a similar theme, Alex, we've got um, a question from, um, Ariel, who is A, at Ariel w, AWFC. And uh, this includes Jordan, but, the, but you know, like I said, there are quite a few players not playing at the moment because we're in this weird situation where we've got a big squad where nearly everyone's fit, but there are quite a lot of players playing well and it's very difficult to rotate them out the team. So Ariel's question is, how can the team better utilise Jordan, Manor and Tobin? Jonas seems to prefer bringing Frida and Keats on for their physicality, among other things, as substitutes. Um, and those three have great, and sorry, Jordan, Manor and Tobin have great strengths we don't seem to have unlocked yet. But when we do bring them on, they understandably look a little bit rusty. So how do we better use these players? That's a hard question. Um, I think that goes down to the fact that we have so many top players on this squad and we have so many fit players on this squad. Um, and then when you look at, you know, Tobin has, has been one of the ones who has struggled with injury and again, has struggled to kind of find a rhythm and consistency within the squad because she came back and it was a new arsenal and she had to get used to that. And her role on the wing, I think is very unique. And um, just, I think Tobin Heath is a very unique player period. Um, and I don't know if Jonas necessarily knows what he wants to do with her in the sense of how she wants to fit. You know, you have, like I mentioned, you know, you have Frida Man and Leo Valti as a pivot. You start Leo Valti, you get the composure from the midfield, you get the composure of distribution from a six, but then you put on Frida Man and they get, you get the physicality and you get more of a, an attacking presence. Not, it's not even, a, it's not even that, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, she's a bit more aggressive in terms of getting the ball and pushing forward, you know, physically, whereas Leah is kind of like her attacking presence is making those really brilliant through balls and kind of perfectly weighted. She's just like, she's very like um, composed and laid back and just very chilled. And you have Frida who's a bit more like uh, aggressive pushing forward. Um, so I think with Tobin, it's just a matter of, I think Jonas did have to figure out the whole Viv Stina situation before he can figure out other players. Um, Because now I think everyone that comes on the wing has to play around Stina and Viv. Um, So I think that was more important to get down first before you move on to players like Nikita, like Mane Babucci as well. You know, Mane can easily play in the midfield, in the left side. I actually asked Mane that yesterday, but she replied in Japanese, so I didn't really know her answer. Um, But I asked her how it was to kind of compete for these midfield spots. So we'll we'll get subtitles up and (laughs) we'll see what she said. Um, but it is, you know, it is, it is concerned because, you know, we've, we wanted Mana Ibuchi on our team for so, so long. And now, you know, she's not even playing that much. Um, and then you have a player like Tobin Heath, who is arguably, you know, I mean, maybe not at the moment, but was at one point, one of the top, at least five players in the world. Um, and you have these players and you're kind of trying to fit in, but I think it's just the unfortunate part of Arsenal kind of finding their feet in the top again, um, you know, we're, like I said, you know, we're competing for the league title. Obviously, everyone knows that. Um, but we're in the Champions League. You know, we're competing for all these things and that comes with the price. You know, you see it at Chelsea. You, you see it with Emma Hayes. You've seen how rigorous Emma Hayes is with leaving players on the bench without really any remorse. Um, so I think it's just a natural part of the process where you're going to start seeing players that 
you're used to seeing constantly and it's the reality of football where you can't really fit these players in anymore as much as you would want to. That's not to say that, you know, we're not going to see Mana or Tobin. It's just, you're probably going to see Jordan in the midfields and say Beth Mead on the wing for whatever reason it might be for Jonas. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nothing, to, you know, kind of just get sad about, but it is, if we want to be at the top, it, that rigorous kind of decision-making of what players are on the pitch has to be, you know, without really saying sorry, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. There, there is like a Chelsea version of this podcast where they're asked the question, how do we better use Lauren James? How do we better use Beth England? How do we better use Jisoo Young? Um, and players like that. And I think you're right. That's just part of being a top team with a top squad. Like you can't have 22 players that are involved all the time. It just, you, you won't get that. And But but you need that. that. That's exactly what you need to be a top team. And and someone like Manor, I, I kind of feel for Manor because I feel like in Joe Montemoro's Arsenal, Manor plays every week. Um, and obviously she's actually she's come into a different team with a different manager and, and so things are a little bit different. But Tobin, I think with Tobin, we're going to have to settle for her being a cameo player. She hasn't completed 90 minutes for Arsenal this season. Um, and I think we're probably at the stage of her career with injuries over the last 18 months where you'd say that that's probably what she is now and still very valuable. Um, in that respect but she's the player that comes on at Man City and gets you the 92nd minute equaliser but maybe she's not the per- the player that starts against Everton and plays 90 minutes and and you know tears them a new one I, I think that's just probably what Tobin is um, I, I think she's got like a, just over 500 minutes for Arsenal this season largely fitness related so I, I, I don't worry as much about Tobin just because I think if she was fit to start more she would I don't think that's about fitting her in I think that's about her fitness but yeah players like Jordan and Manor um, pretty difficult um, Pippa if I come to you because one of the big things that's happened I think since the last time we recorded really um, we've spoken a bit about Leah Williamson and Hafaeli, but obviously Viv Stenius is a thing that's happened so Vivian Miedema dropping into the number 10 Stinner Black Stenius playing up front um personally loving it. I think it looks absolutely great um, at this moment in time. Um, and so we've got a question from, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, uh, she asks a question every podcast and I always get her name wrong, but I'm going to have a crack again at uh, Marieke von Litt. Um, Do you agree that Viv as a 10 with a world-class striker in front of her is even more deadly than having Viv as a nine? What a question. And also, I love these, like, play on words with the names. Viv Stenius. <laughs> and the other one, what's the one with Miedema and Beth? I can't even remember now. Yeah, and That would just be Miedema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, the question is, does Viv play better as a number 10 with a world-class striker? Viv is a world-class striker. What is this question? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, the question, I guess the question is, do you prefer Viv as a 10 with Stinner up front, or would you prefer Viv as a 9? To be fair with you, I wouldn't just give a solid answer and just say, because I, I do like it. I like that partnership of Viv working in the midfield and playing like that. We've seen that goal that's, that um, Vivian Miedemar assisted just for, why have I forgotten her name now? Stinner. <laughs> Stinner. Um, Beth calls her Ibina. <laughs> um, but Stinner, I just feel like they can interchange. Well, not wholeheartedly. Viv can also play up front as a two with Stinner, but... Um, I'm liking what I see so far. But like you said, Viv can literally play anywhere in an, in an attacking formation, whether it's in the middle three or in the front. Um, either way, she'll produce. I mean, look, 100 um, combined goals and assists is ridiculous for somebody her age and how long she's been at the club. And that just goes to show how crucial she is to whatever position she plays. So, yes, I do like it. But me saying I like it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. As long as goals are produced between the two of them whoever, or whoever else is playing in that attacking line is perfect for me because as long as we get the results and the goals and the assists, that's all that matters really. But I love I love the combination playing between the two of them. Yeah, I, I think that the, the other thing we've got to get used to as Arsenal fans is we're not going to have like a, a, an 11 that just plays all the time like maybe we did under Joe or... 12, or even a 12 or a 13, like there's 18 players that are going to come in and out of that 11, um, some more than others. But um, I, I do think, and I have thought for a while, we'll see like uh, Viv behind Stinner as, as 
as a bit of a staple. I kind of don't think you bring a player like Stinner on uh, in to to sit on the bench. So I kind of think that was always his thinking, and I I do think it's working really really well. Um, perhaps like a slightly different slant on the question um, for you, Alex, uh, from Don, who is at Don eight nine one three three five eight three. I hope that's not like your bank account or anything like that. <laughs> but how effective do you think Viv Stenius will be um, against the best midfields in Europe? So obviously it's one thing to excel against Birmingham and against Reading, but like Wolfsburg and when we obviously beat them and play Barcelona, like how it, would you stick with it for games like that? I would say yes, mostly because of the intelligence that Viv has. We saw in one of the, it was the, would Viv called it an ugly goal, was it, after the match? Um, we saw in that goal, basically it was, you know, off of a goal kick and what happened was Stina went forward to press and Viv dropped in, press kind of the six or the eight who comes to receive in the ball and then Kim Little pressed the fullback. And it was that kind of balance of play that turned over the ball and ended up in a goal. Um, and I think in terms of that pressing game, I think Viv... Adds, and I'm not saying like any other player is like much less of a player, but Viv is Viv at the end of the day. And she is the person, I mean, she is, you know, you say Viv, you think of a goat, for example, and that's, that's for a reason. It's not just could be just because, so I think having Viv in that 10 role kind of lets her unleash, I think the best of her qualities that you wouldn't be able to see if she's just simply a number nine. Um, you know, the, the great thing about Viv is that, Yes, she's great at finding, you know, the back of the goal and, and all that stuff, blah, 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 number nine. Yes, yes, yes. But she's so smart as a player that, and, you know, she's never been shy to say that she prefers playing as a 10 because she thinks that that's where her qualities are kind of met. And you see it, you know, she her movement to A, block, um, kind of block the, the passing lanes, but B, also to, to anticipate and read the game so well to anticipate that bond, kind of the players who she has to press in. So if you're playing against like Barcelona, you know, they, they press in a similar way. When you look at, when you look at Alexia Potellas, she plays a lot higher than say Adana Bonmati and Patrick Haro. So Viv would have that similar role of Alexia kind of having that free role of attack and defending. Um, unless, unless you really watch Alexia, it doesn't really make sense what I just said, but the way Barcelona's midfield plays that kind of Patri is a six, so that would be kind of a Leo Valti. And then you have a number eight, which is Aitana on the right side, which is usually Kim Little. And you have Alexia, who's mainly shifting on the left side, but she plays a lot higher than the rest of the midfield. And she's initiating that attack. And when she initiates that attack, she combines with the central striker, who is usually Jenny Hermoso, and they play off of each other. Um, so you're kind of getting that same field at Arsenal now with Viv dropping into the 10. You're getting that same kind of intelligent movement you know Viv can find the back of the net from outside of the box easily as she can inside the box um so it's a really interesting one and I think if it's developed properly it could be really big to come up against big teams um it would add an extra sense of high press and kind of being confident with kind of and again that goes back to center backs you know players have the ability to move up knowing that they have security in the back line um, so Kim Little can push up, Leah Valti can push up, which leaves Viv being able to kind of linger around and, and think what she does best. And usually it is the right decision <laughs> because it's Viv. Um, so I think if it's developed properly, it could be kind of the key for Arsenal to maintain themselves within the top teams of Europe. Yeah, I, I think the bottom line here is that Jonas started with it away at Chelsea. And Chelsea are, as much as we don't like to say it, say it one of the best teams in Europe. If he's comfortable going away to Chelsea with it, I think he's pretty much comfortable going anywhere. I think what really makes it work, obviously having two brilliant goal scorers in the team is great, but what you get with Viv is you get the off-the-ball stuff. So against Reading, she had the most tackles, the most blocks, the most interceptions, and only Stinner and Leah pressed more than she did. She, you know, she does her bit off the ball, and I think that's what... And she keeps the ball really, really well. Um, as well, she's got such good control with her back to goal, and 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 yeah, I, she's just a bit of a freak as a footballer, quite frankly. So, I think it works. We're, we're going to do like a couple more on Viv, um, and we do get kind of variations on these questions because obviously her contract is ticking down. But um, I'll throw this one over to you, Pippa. This is from uh, the brilliantly named Brooks Winner at Brooks Winner Two. 
Um, and he and Brooke asks, if heaven forbid Viv does leave, do you think we have sufficient cover with Caitlin Ford, Blackstinius, Nikita Paris, or do you think we would have to bring another striker in? You're asking me one of these questions again. Um, the thing is, when you have such a talent, no matter which team it is, no matter when you have a talent as big as Vivian Miedema on your team, if they do go, it's such a huge loss. So it always feels like there's not sufficient cover because it's, it's someone that cannot, you haven't seen anyone else reach the heights that she's reached in your squad. Um, but of course, there are other talented players that are not getting the game time, that are on the bench, that are in the squad altogether, that can obviously help contribute to what she has done for Arsenal. I mean, I'm hoping that she stays. I mean, the conversation last year was that if if Arsenal didn't achieve Champions League football, then it was very likely that she was leaving. But as it stands, it's very, very likely that Arsenal will be getting Champions League football next season. And we're in the Champions League right now as it stands as well. So it's concerning. I know she wants a, a, a challenge, another challenge. Um, she's literally hit every milestone she could possibly hit here. Um, but yeah, it's big, it's big boots to fill. And I'm sure every athlete, every football player loves a challenge and they would want to see if they can fill those boots. You know, it's going to be a lot of pressure on them, whoever it is. Nikita Paris hasn't hit the mark as, as fans expected her to do returning to English football. So it would be a big ask for her as a striker um, or as a forward player. Um, but Caitlin Ford, she scores goals. Um, we've, she's been very consistent as well. Um, Beth Mead also scores goals. She is she is the number nine. Um, so it will be interesting to see what cover we will have. But it's always going to be a big loss, regardless. We we could literally could leave one Saturday, one Saturday, and the next Sunday we could win ten nil, and it would still feel like a huge loss. So it's 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 a it's a hard question to answer. Yeah, I, I think um, if Viv left, like Arsenal would be all right in terms of they'd still compete for the title and things like that. Um, but obviously, yeah, it, it would be an enormous loss. I think, um, and and Alex, there's a, there's a question on this exact subject, so I'll, I'll throw it over to you um, in a second. But I think the thing is, for Viv and Arsenal future-wise, there are some things that are in Arsenal's favour. She's very happy in London. She owns her house. She loves the WSL. Like she even had another quote about it this weekend saying, you know, I really like this league because everyone's competitive and, you know, everyone can take points. And, and I think sometimes, maybe, look, I'm kind of speculating, but based on things she said, you know, um, I don't think she's ever been interested in France because the league isn't competitive enough. But I think there's going to be a balance and a, the decision in Viv's mind is going to be, I want to win the Champions League. And I think she really wants to be convinced that Arsenal can do that. Um, but if she can't, then because the thing is at the moment, if you want to win the Champions League, you move to Barcelona, right? It's as simple as that. I don't think anyone else is coming into that picture into the next couple of years. So I think the decision Viv has to make is, do I go to, and it's not so much that the Spanish league itself is not as competitive. It's just that Barcelona are so much better than everyone else. And how does she reconcile that? Okay, I'll go to Barca. I'll probably win the Champions League, but I'll be winning 7-8-0 every week, um, which I don't think she wants. So I think in her mind, there's a reconciliation there. It's how much do I want the competitive league or how much do I want to win the Champions League? And it doesn't strike me that in the immediate future, she can get both. I don't think she can. I think she either stays at Arsenal and has like the trappings of the WSL that she likes in a city that she really likes, or she goes to, and, and possibly doesn't win the Champions League, which a player like her should, or she goes to Barca, wins 10 nil every Sunday, but gets that Champions League winner's medal. So that, I think that's where the dilemma is in her mind. So there are things in Arsenal's favour. It will not come down to money for her. Um, I really don't think that. I really don't think however much Leon throw at her, I stand to be proved wrong there, here, I don't think she'll go to Lyon. I think it's Barcelona, <laughs> the club that, that maybe we have to worry about. So on that, um, Alex, maybe to finish this off, from Erin Sullivan, who is at Erin Sull, how anxious should we be about the Viv to Barca rumours? And what are your personal opinions of the likelihood she makes a move there in, in, in the hopes of winning the Champions League? Yeah, I think you covered it really well, Tim. Um, I think the compromise 
is a lot. You know, Barcelona are winning the league. You know, they have a possibility of winning the league this Sunday against Real Madrid. Six fixtures. That would be, I mean, this is seven fixtures left. So that if they win that, that's six fixtures left in the season. And they're, you know, they're a smoke in the league. And that has nothing to say. I think the league is actually quite competitive. Um, but Barcelona are, are just, you know, not even in the same world that right now in, of the league. You know, from Barcelona down, it is quite relatively tight in, in the sense that, you know, teams can play. But I agree that, you know, the the competition in the WSL is very different from the other countries because I think... I think Spain much less, but I think obviously Germany and France are still dominated by the Bayern Munich, Wolfsburg, Lyon, PSG. It is getting better because in Germany you have, you know, Frankfurt and, and Hoffenheim are, are pushing quite close. Um, but I don't think they're there quite yet to win the league. Um, so it is it is kind of that compromise, you know, Arsenal lost against Birmingham City. You don't, you don't really see that a lot in other leagues to lose against the bottom of the table team. Um, but it is a compromise because will Arsenal win? You know, we talked about, it, I think in the last episode, you know, Arsenal winning the Champions League isn't a project until we can win the league. Um, so let's win the, win the league first, consistently t- stay in the title race, and then we can kind of start competing for the Champions League title. And again, you look at Barcelona, it took them X amount of years to get, to get into the position. You know, they lost the league. I think it was just like three, four years ago. They lost the league three years consecutively to Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid are... are not the greatest team right now and Barcelona are thriving. So, you know, it's, it's the whole process of waiting for that moment. And Viv at Barcelona is a very exciting prospect, but I don't know kind of the, the practical, like how practical it would be for either Barcelona or, you know, um, Viv, because if Jenny Hermoso doesn't leave, um, you know, you have that striker position covered. You have Asisia Oshuala, who's just as much as a starter of, as Jenny Hermoso. Then you're going to add Viv to that. It's not really appropriate, I think. You know, when you have three top strikers, it's going to be worse than fitting Jordan Nobbs into the midfield, for example. And Viv can't drop into the midfield, that Barcelona, because who are you going to take out of the midfield there? You know, you're not going to take out Alexia Poteas to put in uh, Vivian Mirama. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. Um, so Viv to Barcelona, I think it relies on too much um, to kind of guarantee her a lot of game time to guarantee her that she's going to be happy. I mean, when you're in Barcelona, you're going to be happy because of the sun period. Um, But I think on a football aspect, it's going to take a lot to kind of secure her and, and her happiness, as you mentioned to me, you know, she is really happy here. It is, you know, she can't really go anywhere else with that Scottish accent. No one's going to understand her. Um, But one thing that I do kind of play with in my head is whether she'll be tempted to go back to Germany at one point. Um, You know, Bayern, she was at Bayern, so, and they've kind of changed quite a bit since she left. So I'm kind of curious whether she would go back to that. Um, But it is a big change from WSL in London to go back to a a kind of more rigged um, German league. Um, But I think, I think Arsenal does have a lot in their favor. Um, not saying that there it's going to be easy for them to get her signature, um, but I think it does rely on a lot and kind of pros and cons. I think might be in favor of, of Arsenal this time around. Yeah, I I think one of the things I've noticed since she dropped into this ten role, I I think she loves it, and like she's not. Um, and again, this isn't criticism. Like she isn't generally isn't like the smiliest player on the pitch. She's very expressive. Um, you know, Vivian memed her. Um, but she's been smiling like from ear to ear the last couple of games. I, you know, I, I've been for a while, I've been thinking, no, she'll probably go to Barca. And, and I think that's still very much well within the range of outcomes. But what I wouldn't be surprised about is maybe if she, if she did what Leah did and signed a short contract, maybe, maybe if she was like, okay, I'll give it another year maybe at Arsenal and see where this is going. Because the other thing about Barca is like Barca, that's a peak team, right? And and you're right, like Barca is the one team in the world where Viv at number 10 is not an option because they have the one player <laughs> in that role who is actually better than her. Um, but, you know, like, the, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but like Alexia, is she 28 now? Yeah, um, yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. A year or a year more, a year less, but yeah, 28, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of that team are in that like 28 bracket. And obviously that like I think you can see they're trying to get the seeds of a new the team behind the team with like Ingrid Engen and Fridolina Rolfo has been really good. But I, I feel like that Barca team was a long time in the making. 
And I've got a feeling, I think they'll win the Champions League this year. I think they'll win it next year. They might even win it the year after. I, I get like a little bit of a sense of a short shelf life though, just because what they've created has taken so long and I'm not sure how much longer it can go on um, as it is. And so, I, but, you know, I, I do wonder if Viv might just go, oh, maybe I'll give it another year at Arsenal, really see where this is going um, and then make the decision next year. Because frankly, if she gets to 29 and she hasn't won the Champions League, she will just be able to sign for the team who wins the Champions League. It, it just depends on what she wants. But um, I guess we'll see. It'll all, it'll all come out in the wash, but um, definitely enjoying what she's doing at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm going I'm gonna to ask the question though of both of you. If you had to bet, I'll go with you, Pippa, first because I know you love these questions. If you had to bet money, what are you saying? Viv staying or going? Oh gosh! I mean, if I'm listening to the optimism both you and Alex just, <laughs> just said just there, it sounds like she's staying. You know, with the with how you've like analysed that, there's no space for it, Barcelona. You know, she doesn't want to win eight 0 every week. She could be staying. But if I had to put money in it, I don't know, you know. I think, oh, oh I don't know. I'm going to go with my heart and say she's staying. Fair. I, and <laughs> to be fair, I don't think she knows at this moment in time. Yeah. So we're, we're really, we're really, uh, we're really like forecasting. Alex, what do you reckon? I think, yeah, between everything we talked about, I think, I don't think she would commit long-term. I think because she is at that peak age where she wants to be playing with the team that's going to win the Champions League. And, and she's kind of going into that that age where she's achieved everything and now she's just kind of on cruise control and has to find that next level in, in kind of her football aspect. I think a short term, you know, a year contract, for example, to, to kind of test the waters in the year coming up. I think that I can put money on that maybe a pound. I, I wouldn't go higher than this though. Um, but I, I think that would be kind of the most obvious roots right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've got a feeling that might happen, but we'll, we'll say what well, I don't think we'll see till the end of the season. I don't see any decision being made, certainly not announced um, before then, but, but we'll see. But like I say, she's doing great things at the moment. Arsenal are doing, um, Arsenal are doing really great things at the moment. I think really excited just, just to be in this title race. Um, at the moment and I, you know we're eight points clear albeit with Chelsea with three games in hand but we've thrown that gauntlet down to Chelsea and you know I think pressure's on them um, and I think that's a really good position to be in and yeah yeah just really enjoyed what I've seen um, certainly the last kind of five or six weeks I feel like Arsenal are kind of back on track so let's hope things stay that way but let's leave it there for this edition um, Pippa thanks so much for joining us as always thank you guys it's been a pleasure and Alex, thank you as ever. Always a pleasure. And like I said, we'll probably throw out another podcast next week looking ahead to those Tottenham and Wolfsburg games. And we'll hear from, uh, like I said, the Arsenal Matildas with some quick fire questions. But until then, thanks so much for your questions. Thanks for downloading and everything else. We really, really appreciate it. And we will speak to you next time. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.